Well, amen. It's good to always gather together um, week to week as, as the saints to worship the Lord. And he is um, most certainly worthy of that. Amen. 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 We need to do some jumping jacks first. Huh? Maybe we should do some jumping jacks, maybe some lunges or uh, run around like some Baptocostals. Maybe we should do that. As you know, we've been walking through together as a church our articles of faith. That These articles of faith were written the day this church was founded on November 7, 1835. We found those articles of faith and had them uh, put into a nice frame, and you could see that up here on my left, you're right. And we've been walking through those articles of faith, and I tell you, I've really enjoyed walking through them. I mean, I, I've learned a whole lot, and I hope you have too. And uh, maybe, if you're a member of the church, maybe you've learned a whole lot more of what we believe as a church, uh, as Christians, as a Baptist, and, and we'll continue in that. And so it's just been so much fun to be able to walk through that. Uh, And they've been challenging. Uh, They've been full. Uh, We've been drinking from a fire hydrant, really is what it feels like. But I've enjoyed it. I don't know about you. I've had a good time. And we want to continue walking through those, and and, uh, we'll keep doing that. We are on really number six. It will be the next one. And uh, But we're going to take a break from those articles of faith for just a moment. And here's why. I have been thinking through the last um, seven years as pastor. And, and when you think about the last seven years, all you can do is smile because of all that God's done. It has nothing to do with me or, or anything else. But, but God's been good to East Aboga. Amen. God's been good to this church, and, and he has in the past. It wasn't like he wasn't before that, but he's always been good. And we've seen in the last probably four to five years, God has just done some amazing things. Uh, we've increased in size. We've increased in numbers. We've gone to two services and because of space problems, and that's been a great thing. We've increased in our Wednesday night attendances and increased in numbers of children and teenagers, the children's ministries up and booming, student ministry up and booming, uh, senior adults and adults and our Sunday school classes, we're adding new ones all the time, amen? It's a wonderful thing. God's doing great things. And, and you look towards the future and some things that we want to do. Uh, we've been able to pay off everything. Uh, pay off sanctuary, pay this off, pay that off. And now uh, we've been able to uh, finish and build a $1.1 million project, the, the gym and the kitchen and those bathrooms and all down there, which, by the way, Thursday we had the final inspection. Everything went great. Uh, we have our certificate of occupancy. We can go use it now. Amen. Uh, what a wonderful thing, man. God's just really been blessing our church. But at the same time, as God begins to move, I know this. There's an adversary out there. You know that? There's an adversary. And as much as God is moving, as many things that God is doing in the midst of his people and in the midst of the church and in the midst of this church, East Aboga, uh, the adversary is out there trying his best to match what God's doing. 
And if you don't think the devil will do that, you, you, your head is under a rock. You're not, you're not looking around because as God blesses, here comes the devil. And he, he'll try his best to match what God's doing to tear you down, to tear your family down, to tear the church apart. You know why? Because he knows that you are in God's hand. He can't take you away from the Lord. But what he can do, he can discourage you. He can cause depression to come over you. He can cause you uh, to get into a valley of, um, uh, of seclusion, one where you begin to walk away from the Lord a little bit. You're not as faithful to God as you once were. He will cause you to begin to walk away from the church a little bit more. Put in your mind, well, you've been doing all these good things. You've been going to church. You've been faithful in church. You've been faithful in doing God's things. But look at all this that's happened in your life. Walk away. And boy, many people do. And we've experienced a little bit. But even more so in the, in the life of this church. I just feel and I know that in many families in our church right now, many families are suffering. Some are suffering silently. Some are suffering and maybe I'm the only one that may know about it. Others are suffering and everybody knows about it. Just in the last couple years, we've had families that have found out devastating news about a loved one, maybe cancer or some other kind of physical problem. Uh, One that may not be uh, uh, curable, that may be treatable. One that may not be treatable nor curable. We've had families here in the last year or two have lost loved ones just all of a sudden. That's hard. That's that's difficult. We've had families in our church, uh, a number of families uh, in our church, young couples who have prayed earnestly and faithfully, have prayed and are praying that God would give them a child. But it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened. And for whatever reason, it hadn't happened yet. And with every moment, with every month that goes by that that doesn't happen, it causes more um, sorrow in their heart, more sorrow in their mind. That's hard. We've had young couples that have desired so much to have a child. And then they get pregnant. And then they miscarriage. And then they get pregnant again. And they miscarriage. And then they get pregnant again. And they miscarriage. We've got young couples who are going to great lengths, spending thousands of dollars, having surgeries and procedures and medicines just to have a child. But it hadn't happened. I think of sons and daughters who have been given terrible news about mom or dad or both. We, in our church the past couple years, we have uh, marriages that uh, hard to describe where their marriage is and they feel like it's over. They feel like they're done. We have marriages in our church that are, man, they're on the rocks They're almost over. They're almost done. We have people in our church that are dealing with all kind of issues. They're dealing with uh, addictions. They have given over to substances or other addictions that are controlling their mind. They're controlling their body. Listen, if you don't think 
you don't think for one minute the devil, the adversary is out there. You just come on in and come talk to me for a minute. And with every one of them, with every one of them, it's like another brick of weight on my shoulders. And that's okay because that's part of being a shepherd. I'll carry that with you. I want every person in this room, I want you to know that I will carry your burden with you. I'll carry it with you. And it'll be weighty on me. And sometimes I'm leaving a trail behind me because I'm just dragging myself because of your burdens. And that's okay with me. I believe God gives pastors an ability to be able to carry that. It's hard. It's tiring. It's wearisome. But it's also rewarding. I've been able to hold the hands of people who have gotten the most terrible news in all their life. I've cried with you. I've prayed with you. I've laughed with you. But I just can't see. I just cannot see the devil taking over anymore. I'm just about tired of the devil having his way in our families. I'm just about tired of the old devil, the adversary, trying to match what God's doing in our life and your life. I'm tired of that. And I I just believe God's calling us to pray. Pray specifically for certain people and we won't call anybody out. I believe the scriptures give us a lot of promises. I, I think the greatest encouragement we gain is from the scriptures. Because when all else fails, when all else seems like it's going wrong, the only thing that's always been right are the scriptures. And I want to call us to pray as a church. I want to call us as a church to stand to our feet. Not, not right now. You're about to. I could sense it. To really stand to our feet. And, and we're going to face the adversary head on. And we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for all of these families, for our faith family. When one hurts, we all hurt. And we're going to pray that God will continue to be good and that the adversary will have to leave. Because we know at the name of Jesus, the enemy must flee. You know that, right? You know that. And we're going to trust in that. Well, I was reminded of a passage of Scripture in which the disciples found themselves in a storm. What do you do when you're a Christian and you find yourself in a storm or you're in a valley? What do you do? I know a lot of people, they stick to it. Man, they put the feet to their ground and they march forward, they press on. But I know a lot of people that'll shrink back. They cause themselves to be upset or angry at God or angry at the church or angry at someone or something. And they walk away from the church. They walk away from the Lord. You you know one of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor is to see people go through a valley, go through a storm, and walk away from the church. I've never understood that. When you need the church the most, some people walk away. But I think the adversary helps in that. I think the adversary transforms or tries to influence our minds to walk away. Hey, We're not going to let them, are we? Not anymore. We can't let them. 
the Christian and the storm. In Mark chapter 4, if you'll turn with me, Mark chapter 4, you know this passage. The disciples found themselves in a storm. And I want us to see together how they handled it, but even more importantly, how Jesus handled it. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, if you're able to, if you'll stand with me as we read God's word together. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Look at what the Bible says. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Jesus speaking, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. You can get the picture of what's going on. But he was in the, st- the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I love that. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that though the winds and the waves, they come against us, Lord, we know that even the winds and the seas obey you. We're thankful that you're above the storms. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's very easy in that passage of Scripture to see four promises that we have as Christians, as believers and followers of Christ. I want to share with you four promises and then four, uh, three observations from that passage The first promise is this. He says, let us go. Let us. Boy, that's a great promise, isn't it? Jesus told the disciples, let us go. He didn't say, hey, I want you guys to go across to the other side. But Jesus said, let us go. What better promise can you get? What better promise is there that Jesus says, let us go? This is the promise that no matter where, no matter what, no matter how high or no matter how low, Jesus is with you. Amen? Let us go. Jesus is with them. He told them, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to hang out here. You guys go across. Because what Jesus knew was there was going to be a great storm come on them. And Jesus didn't say, hey, you guys go ahead, I'll catch up with you later. No, Jesus said, hey, let us go. I'm with you. I'll always be with you. And that's a great promise for you and I. When you find yourself in a storm and find yourself deep in the valley of of sorrow, know that God is with you, amen? Let us go. God doesn't hang out on a mountain and send you down in the valley. God's walking with you into that valley. He's with you. And so those of you in the room, man, you're in a valley. 
It may not be something I just mentioned a while ago. It may be something nobody knows about. You're in a valley. Know this. Jesus said, let us go. Jesus is with you. This is a guarantee. This wasn't just uh, a a word spoken or some rinky-dink promise. This was a guarantee by the Son of God, God in the flesh, that I will be with you. Let us go. It's better than any doctor guarantee. It's better than any diagnosis. It's a guarantee from the Lord. Let us go. What a great promise that is for you and I. That in our mountaintop experiences, God's with you. But also in those valleys, God is with you too. And God walks with you. I think sometimes God just picks you up and carries you sometimes. Because you need that. You need that. Look, doc, doctors can prescribe things. Doctors can tell you things. Doctors can uh, even share their opinions. But no doctor will give a guarantee. Uh, insurance won't allow that. No doctor can guarantee you anything. And yet we'll often trust in a doctor more than anything else. But God himself has guaranteed you and guaranteed me that he'll be with you. Trust in that, dear brother. Trust in that, dear sister, that in that valley you have found yourself in, that God's with you. The promise that God gives us is bigger and better than any other promise in this world. He's with you. Second promise is this. He says, let us go across to the other side. I love that. You know what this means? They're going to make it. That's what that means. They're going to make it. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. What this means is, no matter what happens out on that water, we are going to make it to the other side. Have no fear. Don't have any fear. It don't matter what happens in this walk of life, in this moment of your life on this water, we are going to make it together to the other side. So have no fear. Be joyful, dear brother. Be joyful, dear sister. We're going to make it to the other side. Oftentimes we find ourselves in the valley, find ourselves in the storm, and we think, this is it. This is it. I'm done. The waves are crashing over us. It's filling up where our feet are, and we think we're done. So we throw in the towel, walk away from church, walk away from the Lord. All the while, Jesus says, we are going to the other side. Just hold on, man. Just hold on, dear sister. Jesus says, you and I, together, we're going to go to the other side. Really, this is all the disciples needed to know, isn't it? It's all they needed to know, that Jesus was with them and that they were going to make it across no matter what happened. Remember, Christian, what God started, he will see to completion in your life. What he started, he'll see to completion. They were going to make it to the other side. Listen, you will make it to the other side. Their temporal security was with Jesus and not on the shore. You understand that? What did they want? They wanted to get to the shore. I got to get to the shore. Let's just turn around and go back. Let's just, hey, hey, I can't handle this. Let's just turn around and let's just go back to the shore because what they thought was the safest place was on the shore. That wasn't the safest place for them. Their temporal security was with Jesus in that boat. 
And their eternal security is with Jesus on the blessed shore of the crystal seas. Amen? Your temporal security is found in Jesus, and it may just be in that valley. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a valley as long as Jesus is in the valley with you. Amen? Stop trying to get out of the valley when Jesus is in the valley. Stay in the valley. He'll guide you out. Don't worry about it. You'll make it to the other side. What do we always do? Oh, I just got to get out of this storm, man. I just got to get out of this valley. And that's all we care about. And what we have neglected is God says, man, why are you looking around trying to get out? I'm right here. I'm in the valley with you. Praise God we don't have a God that just hangs out on the mountaintop. And when we're going down in the valley, he just says, hey, I'll see you when you get back. Oh, no. Well, he walks with us. He says, let us go. What a great promise together. And we're going to go to the other side. Promise number three, a great windstorm arose. This is a promise. A great windstorm arose. Because you know what I know? And I'm not even, you know, my 36 years, there's not much wisdom there. But here's what I know. I do know it's going to happen. Windstorms are going to come. I know that. You know, we can be as positive or encouragement as we want to, but windstorms are going to come. That's a promise, dear brother. That's a promise, dear sister. It don't matter what kind of faith you have. It don't matter how strong your faith is or how little your faith is. Windstorms are going to come. They're going to crash over you. It's going to happen. This world is a mean place to us, isn't it? It's a mean place. And all because of sin... God's not a mad God. He's not a bad God. This is just a sin-stained world. We're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. It was the only perfect place there was. And the moment Adam and Eve got kicked out, sin entered the world, and, and, and the world became a hard, mean place to live in. And it gets meaner every day, doesn't it? Seems like it does. But listen, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. The disciples started to what? They started to panic. They started to panic a little bit because you know what they were doing? They started focusing on the water around their feet and not on the promise that was already given. They started focusing on the water that was crashing in. They looked down to the things of this world and the fact that Jesus was on the boat with them, that he said, I'm with you, and that we're going to make it to the other side, those grew strangely dim to them in this moment. And all they were doing was focusing on the water that was crashing. The boat started rocking back and forth, and they started to panic. They started panicking. And all in that moment, they just forgot the promises that God's given them. They forgot, hey, we got the Son of God on the boat with us. It's better than the shore. We've got God in the flesh, in the boat with us, and he's asleep. God said, we're going to make it to the other side. This is not going to kill us. This is not going to devour us. Yes, we're being hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. So don't panic. I know it's not easy to not focus on the water and the, the, the waves that are crashing around you, but dear brother, dear sister, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him because the moment we start panicking when the water starts coming over us, that's, that's the moment the adversary begins to work. That's the moment the adversary begins to work in your heart. 
and work in your mind. Don't be like those disciples. Don't panic. Don't panic. But when that water starts to come over you, you just start remembering the scriptures. You remember, no, 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 but God said, he's with me. God said, we're going to make it to the other side. You would think one of those disciples would have said, guys, would y'all just calm down for a minute? Just calm down. You remember what God said, don't you? You remember what Jesus said, don't you? I mean, we've given our lives to follow this man. You remember what he said? He said we're going to make it. Why are we panicking? You would think one of them would have the, the, the knowledge or wisdom or the decency to say, guys, calm down. Just calm down. It didn't make the storm any less hard to deal with because I bet it was difficult. But they began to panic. But then we get to promise number four. And that promise is this. And there was a great calm. There was a great calm. I love that. Jesus spoke to the seas, peace, be still. And they have to obey him because they obey him perfectly. And there was a great calm. This is the fun part of the storm, isn't it? The great calm. What I've grown to understand is this. It's not just the words of Jesus that are a great calm in your life. Jesus himself is the great calm in our lives. He is the great calm. He tells us to come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the great calm. You may have found yourself the Christian in the storm or in a valley, but know this. Jesus is with you. Amen. Praise God for that. You're not alone. You're not at this alone. And he said, you're going you're to make it to the other side. No matter what happens, you'll make it to the other side. There's going to be great windstorms that will arise in your life and in mine. They're going to keep coming. Most people say, you're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm all the time. But there will be a great calm. And that great calm may not be here on earth. But that great calm may be the moment you open your eyes. And you're standing right in front of the one. Right in front of the one who said, I'll be with you all the time. That great calm may not happen on earth. But it may happen the moment you step foot in the front of Jesus. And then in that moment, you know what? All is well. All is well. No more sorrows. No more cancers. No more hatred towards one another. No more evil. No more doctors. No more tests, medicines. Three observations I want to share with you real quickly. Number one, the greatest place to be is with Jesus even if it's in the valley. The greatest place to be is with Jesus. Listen, even when, even if it's in the valley, oftentimes we find ourselves in a valley, 
or in the middle of a storm and we pray and we pray and we pray and so badly we want to get out of the valley or back to the shore or out of that storm and say, God, rescue, take me out of this. But what if Jesus is in the valley? What if Jesus is in the storm with you? Then that means the safest place is not on the shore. The safest place is there with Jesus. The safest place, the most calming place It's not back on the shore. It's not back on the mountaintop, but it's there with Jesus. Sometimes we need to stop worrying about getting out of the valley and out of the storm and just rest and know that I'm with Jesus. Amen? I'm with Jesus. I'm in this storm. I'm in this valley because we live in a sin-stained world, but Jesus is with me, and I'm going to make it no matter what this world throws at me. Listen, if you're in a valley this morning, Too often we try and spend too much of our time and energy trying to get out when God's in the valley. I say hang out in the valley. (laughs) I say hang out there. You know why? Because the greatest place to be is to be in the presence of Jesus. And if Jesus is in the valley, as much as it hurts me to say this, then I want to be in the valley too. That doesn't make sense, does it? And to a lost world, it makes no sense. But when you're in the comfort and the presence of Jesus, it makes all the sense in the world because you know I'm with the one that can calm this. I'm going to hang out with him. Greatest place to be is in the middle of God's plan, the middle of God's will. And sometimes that may be in the valley. Second observation, your deliverance from the storm has nothing to do with the level of faith you have. Did you know that? Your deliverance from your storm or valley has nothing to do with the level of your faith. You know what happened? Hey, Jesus, look, you're down here sleeping. Don't you even care that we're, we're perishing here? We're, I mean, we're perishing. Can you imagine Jesus just laughing at him for a moment? Guys, all everybody that has kids in here, you understand this a little bit more. Can you just imagine Jesus going, I've told you guys, how many times do I got to tell you? You think it Jesus thought that? Quit, you have woke me up from my nap. Parents, I've told you. Don't you should, I've told you over and over, don't do that. Told you over and over. This is the rules. This is how it goes. And he woke me up from my nap. I don't think Jesus said that. I mean, he may have. It's not recorded. I don't know if he even thought that. He may have. But you would think at some point Jesus just pulls him aside and says, God, I'm going to tell you something. What is wrong with you? I think that's what Jesus, like God and Jesus, like with the Holy Spirit, has meetings about me. And like the Holy Spirit goes, what's wrong with him? Like We've told him the same thing over and over. He still don't get it. He still sits in the rocking chair of worry, back and forth, back and forth, going nowhere. Doesn't he trust us? Where is his faith at? I think Jesus tells the disciples, guys, where's your faith? I just told you. I'm with you. We're going to make it to the other shore. Where's your faith? 
I think Jesus, I think God maybe often think that about you and me. I don't know about you. I can only speak about me. But I think God often goes, where is his faith at? I, I mean, I've told him over and over that I'll be with him, that I'm there, that I'm the great healer. I can, I can do this. Where's his faith? Jesus often questioned their level of faith. You know why? Because that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd has a responsibility to question the faith of a sheep. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was questioning their faith. Where's your faith? Why are you so fearful of this storm? Didn't I tell you I'm with you? Didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? Listen, dear brother, sister. Let your pastors shepherd you. It's okay if we question your faith every now and then. It's okay. Where's your faith? Why are you walking away from the Lord right now? This is the worst time to walk away from the Lord. Why are you walking away from the church right now? Don't do that. Where's your faith at? That's what a good shepherd does. And that's what Jesus is doing. You would think a great calm would calm their fears. Oh, no, it didn't. You would think that when the wind ceased and the storm stopped raging, you would think that what? They'd start high-fiving each other. Like, yeah, whoo, hey, look at what he did. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Look at this. We're going to make it now. You'd think they were high-fiving and, and going and just kicking back and going, wow, hey, this is a breeze now. We have no more fear. That's not, that, well, that's not what they did. What they do? Their fear was transferred from the storm right to something else. You know why? Because they're like you and me. They didn't cease their fear like that. What'd they do? They went from one thing to the other. This is why your deliverance from the storm has nothing to do with the level of your faith. Has nothing to do with the level of your faith. The level of their faith was very low in this moment. Their fear went from the storm now to Jesus. Who is this guy? They had a fear of Christ in this moment. Can you imagine them sitting down for a minute and just thinking, whew, that was close. Glad we didn't panic. You know? Whew. Oh, <laughs> you were panicking, but I wasn't. I knew we were going to be fine. Like, no, you weren't. You were yelling. You were calling for your mom. Like, you, no, you weren't. What? You know, they're like, oh, I'm glad we didn't panic. And Jesus had been like, you didn't panic. You woke me up. What do you mean you weren't panicking? You would think they would just sit back for a moment and go, whoo, that was close. But they didn't. Their fear simply moved from one thing to the next. That's when Jesus said, have you still no faith? Have you st- where is your faith? It brings us to the last observation. Praise the Lord that for the Christian, your security relies in Jesus and not in your level of faith. Your security relies in Jesus and not in your level of faith. Listen, because if it did, you'd never be secure. If your faith, if your security relied in whether or not you had a lot of faith or a little faith in the midst of a storm or a valley, you wouldn't be secure at all. Your temporal security is found in Jesus and your eternal security is found in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. Amen? It's all in Him. And praise God. That whether you have little faith or whether you have a lot of faith, that doesn't matter to Jesus. Whether or not you're delivered from a storm has nothing to do with how much faith you have. You'll hear preachers say, 
Well, you're in this storm because you, you, you don't have a lot of faith. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Should you have more faith? Absolutely. But faith doesn't get you out of a storm. Faith makes you secure in the middle of a storm. You know what I'm saying? Faith doesn't rip you out of the storm. What does faith do? Faith just says, no, I got Jesus in this storm. Faith allows you to smile in the midst of sorrow. That's what faith does. Faith allows you to smile and have joy in the midst of your circumstances. That's what faith does. How in the world? How in the world are you, are you so joyful when you're going through all this mess? I got Jesus. I got Jesus. What more do I need? I've got Jesus. That's all I need. I've got Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Bless your heart. It'll bless your heart when you sit on the front porch of a man who has no clue what's about to happen. No idea. How long it's going to take. And that man will look you right in the eye and say, I'm just trusting in Jesus. Mike, I don't know what's going to happen. Here's what I do know. I do know Jesus is with me though. And I got faith in him. I got faith in him. Listen, you may be in a storm in this moment. Or in a valley. And I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing shameful about it. Because we're all in it. You're either headed to a storm, you're in one, or you're coming out of one. Preparing for the next one, right? And so I want to pray over you. I want to pray over your family. And so here's what I want to do. If that's you, if you have found yourself in that place, I want to gather around you and some of our leaders gather around you and we're going to petition before holy God not to take you out of it because that's his plan we don't change his plan not to remove the circumstances but here's what we're going to pray we're going to pray that while you're in this valley that you will totally 100% trust in Jesus that's what we're going to pray I don't think it's a bad thing to pray. God, would you remove this from me? Jesus even prayed, God, would this cup pass from me? But it didn't. And that's okay. Sometimes it don't. And sometimes it does. But what we're going to pray is that when valleys, when we find ourselves in that valley, that we as a church, we're going to remain faithful. We're going to remain trustworthy in the Lord. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. If that's you, and you're in this valley, you're in a valley, a storm, man, it's raging around you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come down here. You can stand, kneel, whatever you want to do. And then I'll ask some of our leaders just to gather around. And, hey, we're just going to petition before God. Because I know where some of you are. I know some of you are in a place you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you're to a place you said, Preacher, I don't even know what to pray for now. I've prayed so much. I don't even know how to pray anymore. You know what's so cool about that? The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You know what he's doing? He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He is interceding on your behalf. Why? Because you can't get to God but through him. You want your prayers to get to God, you've got to go through Jesus, dear friend. That's why we pray in Jesus' name.
That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. And when you don't know what to pray, I think it's amazing that two-thirds of the Trinity, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, are petitioning on your behalf. Let him pray for you. <laughs> Let him do that. Let's pray. Father, Lord, in this moment, I, I, I know, Lord, people all across this room are in a valley. Lord, they're, they're struggling. They know that. And Lord, I pray that they would not be so prideful to come and let their church pray for them. I hope they wouldn't do that. So Lord, help us as a body of believers, as a faith family, to commit to pray. Lord, it's our only help. It's our only lifeline. God, when we pray, prayer is a total dependency on you. We're letting go of any ability we think we may have, and we're putting it all on you because you asked us to do so, and we're doing that. We're going to pray for two things. One, maybe you're in here this morning and you need Jesus today. You need Jesus this morning. Our first prayer is that Jesus would be on the boat with you. That you're not out there in, the, in this world going through these storms and valleys without Jesus. People often say, Pastor Mike, how do, how do people make it through this life, through storms and stuff? Without Jesus, how do they do that? To which I answer, who's saying they're making it? Who's saying they're, they're drowning? They're drowning. Without Jesus, that's what it feels like. Do you need Jesus today? It may be, it may just be that you're guiding the, your boat through these storms all by yourself. And Jesus is not there. Would you repent this morning? Would you repent, trust in Jesus? I know it's kind of cliche or kind of corky, but corny, but would you let Jesus on the boat with you? Let the great comforter come with you? So in a moment when we stand, you come down front. Pastors will be down here. We'll pray with you. The second part of the invitation is for you Christians. You're in a storm. You're in a valley. Or you know somebody that's in a storm or valley. We want to pray for that too. So I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to come. I'm just trusting that this altar will be full of people. That we're all going to agree and pray together that we're going to trust the Lord in these storms and valleys. Lord, have your way. Lord, help us. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to petition on behalf of each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I do know. I know God is sovereign. I, do, I know that. I do know that man has the ability to repent, believe, or to reject the gospel. I do know that. How all that works, I ain't got a clue. I don't have all that. I know you're thinking, you spent an hour Sunday and an hour tonight, and we're going to end this thing with, I have no idea. You bet your bottom dollar that's how we're going to end it. Uh, but we have to teach both, you know. Uh, and so anyway, um, if, if you would like for me to sign this and we can auction this off later, we'll do that. Uh, listen, I know it's time. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. I know if you've got kids in the water, please run and get those and uh, ask for my forgiveness or their forgiveness for me. Um, let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the scriptures, for what they teach. Lord, it's, it's hard. It's, it's uh, difficult to understand. Uh, but, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that I don't get you. I, I don't understand you. 
your ways are not mine, your thoughts are not mine, you're, you're uh, all-knowing, I'm not, you're all-powerful, I'm not, you're all-ever-present, I'm not. And so, Lord, I, I just have to put my trust in you, and that's, what, that's what's called faith. And so, I, Lord, I have faith in you that, God, you do have all, you are sovereign over all things, and that man does have this free will to choose. And, 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 uh, but, Lord, I don't know how all that works out, but here's what I do know. I know that you're good, and I know that you sent Jesus down on the cross for our sins. And I know that your Bible says, your word says, that if man will come to you and repent and believe, uh, that they'll be saved. I know that. And, Lord, I know there's people outside of this room that are the elect. I don't know who they are, but, God, I know you chose them before the foundation of the world. Lord, may I be obedient to the Scriptures to go as many people as I can to witness to them and present the gospel. Lord, and those that receive the gospel, then I guess they're the elect. Those that don't in that moment, doesn't mean they're not. It just means at that moment they rejected. Because, Lord, I rejected many times. Uh, And, Lord, I'm thankful that you drew, drew me closer to you. Lord, we have many issues in our life going on. May this idea, knowing that you're sovereign, Lord, may it help us to grasp onto you even more and stick to the cross even more. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.